0: What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have on a familiar face with baseball podcasts in Jeremy Sheetinger, who is also the head baseball coach at Georgia Gwinnett College. Sheets is by far one of the most popular baseball coaches in the world. After working for the American Baseball Coaches Association and running the ABCA podcast, he took the job at GGC last year. So on the show, we discuss what he has learned during the four years he stepped away from the field and how he has implemented so much information into what they do at GGC. We go all in on competitions, classroom sessions, and how to teach the middle game. And coaches, if you're looking for a copy and paste episode, Sheets delivered. This episode is so good, and here is Jeremy Sheetinger. Sheets, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, JG. I appreciate the opportunity, my man. Of course, of course. I feel like every time I talk, my I get goosebumps because I'm like, okay, let's just go play something right now. Like, let's, <laughs> let's go compete at just something. And you sound great. I love the podcasting equipment. That's always a, a nice touch. But uh, for our listeners who recognize the voice, and they probably, I'm I'm sure everyone that listens to my show. Uh, has heard something on your show or, or just, you know, anything in general. And, and they recognize that, but there may be some people who are curious as to who sheets is and why everybody talks about him. But can you give us just a short
1: snapshot of, of where you're at and, and then just, we'll just kind of roll from there. Sure. Well, right now I'm, I'm currently the head coach at Georgia Gwinnett college, one of the top NAI programs in the country. I'm also host of the dugout chatter podcast powered by Stick and ball TV. And then, uh, speak at a lot of different conventions and, um, especially a lot of virtual ones here lately. Um, And then past that, man, this would be my 17th year of coaching. Spent 11 years coaching across all levels of baseball. I spent four years out of the game, and I was uh, literally coaching coaches at the ABCA and doing their podcast and social platforms, all that good stuff. Then got back out uh, of that space, back into coaching. And this is going on my second year here at GGC and fired up, man. I love
0: that. And, and I, we were talking off the mic earlier about how we get the pleasure of interviewing some of, you know, the world's best coaches, Yeah, but we also have the, the, the opportunity to be able to try and distill what they do well and to try and put it into whatever program that we're a part of. And it's not always easy. And so I'm really excited to get to hear, you know, you've done probably 200 plus episodes and you've spoke at different places around the country and around the world But let's, let's go ahead and let's, let's just take it from day one at GGC. Okay. So you get hired, everybody, you know, you do the press conference, which was cool. And, and it was on Twitter and everything. And, and it was really, really well done. Then you get the keys and you, and you are like, okay, what do we do for day one? Okay. So (laughs) what did the vision look like for you? And I know, I know knowing you, you were well-prepared and you were, it was, it was, it was something that that you had prepared for. Yeah. So, what did that look like, and what were some of your first steps whenever you took over?
1: I love it, man. Thanks for for giving me the the opportunity to talk through this. And I actually, I'll, I'll start maybe just a maybe a month before the press conference is when this became real. So, back in around Omaha time, you know, the job had come up and I had applied, and I felt like I was going to be able to to at least get in the room, maybe on a phone interview and. Um, but I felt drawn towards this job. I mean, that, that's the one thing I've always come back to is, uh, I loved my job at ABCA. Like, I mean, I felt like I had the best job in the country. I was making a heck of a lot more money than I would as a coach. I was, had a lot of freedom within what I did and we created some really cool learning platforms and communication platforms and just felt, you know, extremely connected with coaches and our members. And I just, I don't know, man, I was really Torn between, am I really going to leave this to go back to coaching? But at the same time, and I've said this a lot, my last year, my fourth year, I just I felt drawn back to coaching. I thought about it a lot more. I, my heart was, you know, starting to drift back towards. Man, I can I can still do this. And then I think more of it comes back to this. John is like, I really felt like I don't know, man. I felt like I had a chance if I were to go back to coaching, I could rewrite my own script and you and I've mm-hmm. talked very openly and, and certainly I have on the various podcast episodes very openly about looking at 11 years and feeling like honestly I served myself uh, it wasn't it it wasn't about the players and it wasn't about relationships and it wasn't about their growth and it wasn't about those things it was more about you know hey if I win this game if we win this championship if we go the world series if we win a national championship, if all these things happen and man, where am I going to be able to go from there? I'm going to be able to get whatever job I want. I'm going to move my career and I'm advanced this way. And, and so anyway, I talked about that very openly because it was a great learning opportunity to go. If you go back, man, you've got to be organized a little bit differently. You've got to rewire what matters and you've got to focus on the things that are extremely important and keep those always important. So anyway, I, I go through that, that that transition of applying and uh, absolutely dominating the phone interview and getting on campus and crushing that. I, I had our alumni weekend this past weekend uh, and I got a chance to tell some of those stories. And um, where it comes back to is during the course of that, I sat down and I constructed cr- this, <laughs> you're going to laugh, 39 page basically manual. Um, wow. This is who I am, this is my interview packet. And so you could open it up and it's my resume and here's my my, my real cover letter relative to the job. And um, here are my thoughts on recruiting, my thoughts on team uh, development, staff development, my thoughts on and you went the whole way, 39 pages. And uh, I made one for each member of the hiring committee and very proud of, of what I put together. And in the course of doing that, man, I'm telling you, that is probably one of the best exercises I've ever done of organizing my thoughts, because as to your point, so many podcast episodes, so many conversations, so many different ideas. Well, you can't do it all and you've got to be able to comb through it, chew on it, digest it, swallow it. And what comes out has to be authentically you. Like I can't run Eric Backage's program at Michigan here. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I, I can bring elements from there. I can bring elements from Vanderbilt. I can bring elements from UCLA. I can bring all those, but I've got to sort them through me and then I've got to make them authentically us. This has to fit our situation it's hard to run you know San Diego State's program here at Georgia Gwinnett it just it has to work at each spot and so a lot of the things i sorted through and where i landed all came back to as i mentioned a second ago it's got to be about the players like your whole focus the whole you know construction of the program the environment we're trying to create the leadership from the top not and I and I use this as a, a example a lot, not from the top down, actually from the bottom up. How can we get behind our players and make them at the forefront and use them as the rock stars and create an environment where they feel like they've got a staff that just serves them on a daily basis? And then I think when you when you start to direct that way, I think everything stems off that. So I gave a coaching clinic over the weekend, and one of the things I came back to was, I don't think you can do anything, and I firmly believe this, you can't do anything you ever want to do on the baseball field if you don't have trust and you don't have love. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing on a daily basis to create trust from coach to player, player to coach, coach to coach, player to player? How can you develop love within that entire group? What are those things that are that are tying this group together so that you can – Build accountability. You can understand responsibility. You can create and develop and enhance leadership. You can do those things, but they come from trust and love. And so, again, long story short, I I go through this whole process, man. And when I hit the ground day one, to me, it it was it was actually pretty simple. Number one, day one, literally coming out of that press conference, and we had, I think from that point, it was like a five-hour drive down to Hilton Head. We were going on a vacation, and um, I literally called every single player. That day. And so from 5 30 until roughly 10 30 at night, it was my last call. I called every single player to make sure they understood this is who I am. Um, I have your back. I know I didn't recruit you. I can't pick you out of a crowd, but I have your back. And so if you give me the opportunity to come in here and lead this program, man, I, I promise you, have my back and we'll watch where this thing goes. Meet me halfway. And every guy heard the same message. And then the next three days I spent calling every single alumni in the program. And I felt like that was an important move because this is a young program. This is only our ninth year of ever having a baseball program. And so it was only like, you know, 145 guys, but I needed to give them time. I needed to help them, you know, on the phone, help them understand who I am. Then more importantly, listen to their side of the conversation. Like, where are you coming from on this? What do you want? What do you want this program to be represented by? What, what's the What's the the style of play that you think fits here? And I, I was just very open to these conversations. And again, a lot of them, I'm you know, are greeted with bro hugs over the weekend at our alumni event. So it's just, I thought that was the most important thing. You've got to connect with your current guys, but then you've also got to literally get back to the fabric of the program. These are the guys that in 2013 started the program. You know, the OGs. We call them OGs, Original Grizzlies. You know, these are the guys that started this program. They're they're 30 years old. But, man, they have perspective. And so when I hand them a be a dude bracelet over the weekend, they're like, dude, this is so awesome. It's just the I think we're only where we're at. And when I feel like we're in a really good place. We're only where we're at because of those first steps, because of using the information, really developing a system and and an identity of, of an environment that is centered around the player. And then I think making sure that the current and then the former players know that it's about them it, it'll always be. we win a national championship that that first picture goes to our alumni group we only have that opportunity because of the guys that bled before us so i hope that gets to the crux of what you're getting to man because you got me fired like up. That. That, Absolutely. That, that's kind of the, the the trajectory of that no sign me up i don't think i have any eligibility left but I, <laughs> I mean,
0: so let's we'll take <laughs> yeah, i don't think you want me i'm, I'm a little <laughs> washed up but let's uh let's talk about okay so uh, this is, uh, this is a little bit, uh, leaning towards my faith side, but over the weekend, sure. uh, our pastor, pastor Craig Rochelle, who many people listen to on the leadership podcast, awesome, awesome leader. <clears throat> but he talked about, you know, leading with, uh, or the church being truth and grace, right? And he just, he mentioned almost, he said every time in the Bible that Jesus is talking about both of them, he always leads with grace, which is another form of love that i think so i think that you're right there but long story short i think we're always like we're always maneuvering that line based on who we're with but i also think that without one uh it leads to chaos but without another without grace then you you, again you you don't get any love you don't have that relationship you don't get any trust Mm -hmm. and so it's always they have to come together for me and i would love to hear your thoughts about okay so uh, you love you love on these guys but you're also holding them to a standard yep. what are the standards that you guys set whenever and I, I know it's you but it's also you and your staff but what did you guys set what are some different rules that you have and and really what is you know be the og grizzlies what is what does being a grizzly look like on a daily basis and, and what are the
1: standards that you set okay so now this is really cool to talk through so uh, our program very unique. Okay. So, uh, when I took over after seven years, uh, they'd been to three world series already in seven years, ever since they were eligible to be included in the national poll, they had been inside the top 10, the majority of that inside the top five, um, our facility. And, and I'm not saying any of this to brag in any anyway, just to, just to paint the picture. Our facility is one of the best in the country. Hands down. It, it, it's a huge piece of the puzzle for me, you've got to have something to sell to. And of course we've, we've got that in our athletic facilities and our weight room and locker room and everything else. So when you have those things, um, it's way too easy for those that don't to look at your program at at times in a little negative light. Okay. So, you know, and I've been there, so there was a team in our conference that I looked at it and thought they had everything. They played in a pro park. It was a turf field. They'd been to like three world series in the last six years. And I think sometimes we get a a little bit of that, you know, teams look at what we've done in such a short amount of time and it, it it doesn't always welcome you into the fraternity. Let's just say, so I, I understand all that. I get all those dynamics and I noticed last year and I felt like this would be part of, you know, the, the, the common feeling at the ballpark, but I really got to see it firsthand, certainly from the front rails, just Teams come in and, and they look at our game as a dogpile opportunity. This is, could be a defining moment for them to knock off a Georgia Gwinnett to you know, no different than you go on the road and you play a Tennessee Wesleyan, you play a Southeastern. Like, We, we are one of those teams. You want to knock us off because of the implications that could come from it, and we get that. So what that's done, back to your question, is it's forced us to, we talk about embrace the target. So if there's a target on our back, every game we play, embrace that. And in fact, by embracing it, it, you welcome it. You welcome someone's best game. So when they get off the bus, you know, they're showing up to play. They're going to come. And again, we we saw this last year, man, we played four Tuesdays in a row. I'm talking midweek games where teams turned around their number one to face us. So like embrace that. That's a good thing. That's that's a high level respect. That's getting off the bus coming to that other dugout what that's going to force us to do is show up. And so back to how do you create that? I feel like the expectation for us is, Hey man, the training environment is, is our most sacred. So you have to show up, you have to be prepared. You cannot just walk your way through a practice where, you know, you can, and in in some programs that that's not going to work here because if we embrace the target, if we know that our best is demanded, if we know your best focus and your best concentration and you know, the, the building competitive people, those things have to happen in our training environment because we have to embrace the target that's going to be there in the spring. I think that's become uh, I talk to our players a lot about that. They, they feel like that's been the biggest change is, you know, before there was a lot of talent and, and, and certainly they won a ton of games. But in terms of grinding daily within practice and getting competitive and being challenged and trying to create an environment that's a tick above the game speed that we'll see out in the World Series doing that on a daily basis, you know, that is what has gotten them to a point where, I mean, we had one of the most competitive falls I've ever been a part of and watching guys grow year after year, we, we always bring our, our perspective back. And so, you know, here we are, you know, we wrapped up the first weekend of uh, last weekend of October, you know, into the first weekend of November. And you're looking at that and, and okay, how much have you grown in the past two months? And there are new players and older players like, good God, man, I'm just, I've gotten so much better. And I, I came in at this and now I'm at this. Okay, great. Who have you become in the last year and a half? You know, and just keeping that perspective of, of, in essence, that continuous learner, that growth mindset, that that perspective that today is another opportunity for me to sharpen my axe on something. And if I get competitive and if I embrace the challenge, I'm going to come out of this on the better side. And so that's an expectation in our program is just recognition that you can't go where you want to go in this program if you're not willing to be challenged if you're not going to get competitive if you're not willing to lay it on the line. I told this story yesterday, man. And I hope I don't get choked up again uh, cuz it 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 grabs me by the heart. So we've got in in NAI and I hope I get back to the crux of this, JJ. You got me going, man. Uh oh, all good, I love it. But there there we have a player, you know, in in NAI where a guy can go play minor league baseball get released and he can come back and play on the NAIA level. So we have two shortstops, two of the most athletic kids I've ever coached. Now, one has completely embraced, you know, what happened in his life. Uh, This is the new opportunity. Um, He is way past, like, worried about what people think. He's way past, you know, laying it on the line and failing. And and he is way past that. And he's one of the best players in the country, hands down. One of the best shortstops, three-hole hitter. The whole thing numbers speak for themselves and then we've got another guy that is that's now eligible he had to sit out last year he's now eligible and he's battled that and 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 I kept you know I'm really close with miles very very close and we talk a lot but we've never gotten to like the crux of what that is I just continue to remind him of last you know it's been a year and a half is man you're fighting to get consistent like I, if you find consistency if the same guy shows up your best version of you, shows up on a daily basis, man, the sky's a limit for where you can go, but he just can't seem to get it together. And it can't just show up and in a couple of days he pulls back. So I'm always, you know, kneeling on I'm like, man, w- we got to figure out what this is. We got to get to the crux of this. So he comes in for his exit meeting and we start talking. And I said, you know, again, man, we're back to the same conversation. You have a great opportunity here to not only Get innings at short, but go play third. Go play second. You can play center for us. I know he's going to work on some pitchings He's going to close. He's been up to ninety four. Like you are going to close for us at some point. So we're going to work on all those things. But man, it's just it comes back to the consistency. So why can't we get consistent? And he, you know, thought about it for a little bit and he came back. He goes, "Well, I just think there is a there is a piece of that, coach. Man, I just sometimes I I fight confidence." And the whole room looks at the coaching staff. Looks at me like you got to be kidding me. This guy, six foot three, one hundred eighty five pounds gorgeous looking kid. Like, I mean, beautiful girlfriend. He lives in Delray beach, Florida, beautiful blonde hair. I mean, this dude is, he, he, he should be on a calendar shoot somewhere. And you're thinking you walk in without confidence. You know what I'm saying? You walk to the ballpark do we've seen you take ground balls. We've watched you swing the bat. You're telling me you battle confidence. And I, it gives me this, this, this jolt. And I jump right in. I go, Oh, okay. So we keep needling through. I go, dude, you've got a fear of failure. He goes, yeah, absolutely. I don't want to go out there because everybody's looking at me like I'm a high school draft. I don't want to go out there and fail because everybody's, I mean, everybody's gonna be judging me at that point. You know, why why, how how come he gets out? Like he should make every play. He, he should be the best player on the field. I'm looking around, coach. There's a ton of really good kids here. Dude, you have an inherent fear of failure. So where we kind of then a couple days later we're going back and forth, he's like, I don't want to lay it on the line and let down my family. So I pull back. And I go, well, in fact, you pulling back is letting down your family. They want to see you go laying on the line. They want to see you literally go stretch your limits and know that there's a chance you could get hurt. That's the part that I think our guys, you know, we've won a lot of games here, and we did even a year ago. We win a ton, of, and it's great, man. And we'd never take that for granted. You don't just walk out of bed and win games. You work to have the opportunity to win. But where I want our guys to get to is, man, and we keep beefing up our schedule. We play one of the toughest schedules in the country. And we still win games. That's great. But at some point, you got to get out and literally lay it on the line, knowing you could lose, knowing you might like literally fail. And then you're going to have to deal with that, knowing that you gave your best and you failed. And so, again, I go back to, to that being an expectation of our program is we're trying to really this year develop a relentless attitude within the walls of our dugout that our guys are going to be willing to lay it on the line. And I'll just go back a few years ago, that maybe wasn't always the case. And so now we have the opportunity within this group to really expand on that and move that forward and get to a place where, man, I mean, it's a machine. You start to develop a, a group of guys that are centered around the same thought and the same attitude and the same, you know, literal grit level, that persistence, that passionate pers- perseverance, that, that, that mentality can take you to places that you never even imagined. But you've got to literally embrace where that can go. That's an expectation in our program. Um, big piece, you know, for us is, as I mentioned a second ago, I want gritty ball players. man. I mean, I, you know, we've got nice stuff, got great gear and, you know, sometimes we're looked at a little exalted and that's, hey, but when you play us, man, you're going to figure this out, dude. We're going to be the grittiest team on the field because that's an expectation of our program. You've got to be willing to slide hard and play hard and run hard and tag hard and, grind out at bats and I'm not okay with striking out. That's not a thing we do here, man. It maybe was before. It's not a thing we do here now. And so we need guys that'll get competitive with two strikes and guys that'll battle their tails off in the box and make it incredibly difficult. be, Be literally extremely pesky with two strikes so that we start to expand at bats and obviously get into bullpens quicker. It's got to become a mentality of who we are across every front on the mound, man, you think we can't pitch in, man, we're gritty, we'll pitch inside a passionate perseverance to get in the inner half. So you can expand the outer half. It's all those things that I think are part of the way we train. And it's starting to become part of the way that we play. And so that, that to me is that, that on the field, um, expectation. And so one more layer deeper, <laughs> you know, we talk about rules. I don't think we have one rule in our program. I don't have one thing that I've said. Hey, it's got to be this. It's got to be that. I'm the Jerry Weinstein. There's you know no always and nevers. I, I I'm very flexible to a lot of regards. I'm flexible until it ends up messing with what we're doing on the field. And so around that idea, JG is the fact that we don't buy into drama. And I don't I don't handle drama. I don't uh, embrace drama. We don't like drama. Um, I was talking with a coach over the weekend. And I said, man, how about this? How about in uh, one and a half years as head coach, we've only had one guy late to weights once. And we've only had one guy late to practice once. It's because he slept in. Like, that's just not what we do here. To me, that's a drama. And for an NAI program to say that, it's really tough. You know, we have a couple guys that have been el- ineligible. Great, see ya. What do you mean? That's I mean, it's, in NAI, you got to embrace that. It's part. None of, I don't have to embrace any of that. So you're not going to class. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. That's interfering with what we want to do on the field. You gotta go. Love you and I appreciate you and I value you, but you're not meeting me halfway. If you can't meet me halfway, there's a student athlete piece of this. If you can't meet me halfway, then I'm not gonna meet you the other half. I can't do that. That's not the way relationships work. If relationships are one-sided, it's not a relationship. Somebody's getting used in that scenario. So where I go back to is I've laid out all the expectations of of how this is gonna work, where we're gonna go, how we're gonna be identified. Um, what our environment's going to look like across every front person, student player, how are these things going to be, you know, literally held up to that, those standards. And then we ask that our guys walk that path. And I, and what I go back to, what I'm most proud of, so I'm going to bring all this back to <laughs> one thought. Oh, what I'm most proud of is that our guys have complete ownership of our program. And when you want to build, everybody wants to build a player's program until it's time to give them ownership. OK, so we have built a player's program here. This is a place where dudes come to play because we're not going to get in your way on game day. Literally, the, the mantra of training is for coaches. Game days are for players. My job is to sit literally against that wall behind that rail and watch the best team in college baseball play every single night. That's my job. Now, training day, as you mentioned a minute ago, I'm going to be on you, literally on you at a 10, but I'm going to love you at a 20. You're going to know why we're getting on you. We're going to know why we're brutally honest. You're going to understand why we train the way we train is so that we can sit back on game day and watch our guys play. That to me starts to construct the environment we've created and obviously the identity within that. And um, again, I hope that gets to the crux of what you're getting at, man. I, let's oh, just say I am 10 shades of fired up right now <laughs> on a Monday morning and you got me going. I can't wait. No, definitely. <laughs> and so I, uh, I love following you
0: on. Twitter, obviously, but I also like the uh, GGC account. Mm-hmm. And so this last week you guys posted that you, one, I, I really like the coaches series. And so I'd, I'd like to go through that here in just a sure. minute, but I really want to highlight your fall competitive teams. So sure. what were, one, the, the two names, you got to tell us the story behind the two names <laughs> that you guys came up with, with the two teams, <laughs> but also I, I know, and you know, this being a podcast host as well people are all in on, Hey, what competitions you got, man? Like, what are you doing? What are you competing with? How are you measuring it? All that stuff. So, so let's just go ahead and jump two feet in right here and let's, let's go over that stuff.
1: Sure. So I took this from Jake McKinley, uh, again, another conversation that, uh, he spoke on the main stage. I've known Jake since we were both, you know, like 22 and coaching. And he brought up the fact he drafted his teams, uh, into two teams for the fall and they competed all fall and he had all these creative ideas on on how they would gain points. And, uh, I knew that was something I wanted to do and we did it last year and it was fantastic. We ran it back this year. Guys knew it was coming. And <laughs> again, I am I'm, I'm, I'm very transparent with my guys. I, 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 I let them know everything. I, I just, I firmly believe that you got to be your best when you're in front of them. You also got to sometimes be at your worst so they can see you're being authentically you. And I let them know, hey, you want to know again when I've got time to relax, when I've got two small kids running around, they go to bed, and or I'm out with a couple friends. You know what I like? I like to smoke a grape Swisher sweets. I know that it's not like a sexy cigar or some Cubano, whatever those things. Macchiato. I, I, mean, I mean that that's not my space, dude. I am blue collar. You can call it white trash. You can call it whatever you want, but I am a grape Swisher sweets guy. So I tell my guys that and we're, you know, I get them to laugh, whatever. And about two weeks later, I'm like, Hey, start thinking of your fall teams and let's get those. <laughs> so the guys are cracking up because the whole team knows they're talking about in their group chat and they come in. I said, okay, so, uh, you know, Caudell, what are you gonna name your team? Swisher sheets. And I'm like, guys, I don't know if that oh is social media friendly. I need to ask. So I literally had to go sit down with Dr. Wilson and, I, and we talked about a few things and I said, Hey, last thing I want to bring up to you. So we're doing our fall teams, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I said, yeah, so um they landed on a name. It was uh it was a Swisher Sheets. He goes, "Man, that's that's actually really creative." Um I said, "Yeah, and I just I felt like, you know, you know that it I need to support our guys. Our guys want to run with this and they want to rally behind it and that's what they want to name their team and um so we ran with that and it was it was great. And they ended up winning it. Our point totals were like into the 4000s. Like they just they crush points all fall. And we we do that on a lot of fronts. And I think if someone's doing this, you you want to create as many opportunities to score as many points as you can because I think the more competitions you do, you start to see it's not about baseball. And so now you're giving other guys within the team to earn points. Well, the more points that you earn, the more you can keep it close throughout the fall. I think our guys have figured that out. It's so like, well, mm-hmm. one team's down by 150, and I'll say, hey, we're doing this competition today, and it's worth 100 points. Because I'm like, this, hey, boys, this is your opportunity to get back in the hunt. Like, let's go. You got to show up today. Um, and it kept it really close. And so we do all, talk about the competitions, man. We do all kinds of stuff. So it's your basic baseball um, you know, uh, competitions in terms of we do an exit velocity uh, challenge. You pick three hitters off each team, they get three swings apiece, highest exit velo wins. Uh, we've done a home run derby, which is very basic. We've done it with the pitchers as well. So we've done an exit velocity with the pitchers uh, swinging the bat. We've done a home run derby with our pitchers swinging the bat. We actually took our, our two player development guys, Brandon and Ford, and each team that chose one of the other. And they, they both got, I think we did like eight swings. And first one to hit a home run. And Brandon ended up hitting home run and winning points for his team. And um, so we do all the baseball stuff. We did a ground ball challenge. We did a pop-up uh, challenge. So we literally take the machine, put all the dials straight up, and we just literally flip baseballs as high as we can. We had a, a, a pitcher challenge with that. Um, we do all kinds of the baseball stuff. But to me, it's the other stuff that, again, brings in everyone on the team. So it's not just your really good shortstop. It's not your really good right-hand arm. It, it gives everyone an opportunity to contribute. And so we, did, uh, we do Rochambeau. Rochambeau is big in our program. So we do a, a rock, paper, scissors uh, day. Um, literally all teams line up down the foul line, stare at each other, challenge, move to the next guy challenge. And, and one team absolutely crushed that. We did a bridge challenge. So literally get down on their, on their forearms and and uh, stomach off the ground. They do a uh, bridge, a plank uh, holds. And we had one kid go over six minutes on that. Uh, we did an iron chef competition. And so they have to literally go um, create uh, an appetizer, a main course and a dessert. And we have three coaches that sit up front, and they they bring them in one at a time, and we judge and give points off that. Um, that, that might be my favorite one there. Yeah, it's it's dude. There's a Sopapilla cheesecake that that uh, Gavin Heltimus made that is one of, still will always be one of the best desserts I've ever had in my life. <laughs> um, and it, it's it's things like that that just every day there's something, and I mean like every single day we're giving them something to compete at. And I think a lot of that, again, bleeds back through our training environment. It just it has to be competitive. And, and I think it's easier to, you know, have that conversation of, hey, we're going to sit on BP today in terms of tracking these things. Um, our player development staff having a barrel count throughout the fall. I mean, everything we did, cage work, BP uh, game, you know, Sodos were always out. We kept track of barrels. And so our guys knew they were always being judged. They were always having something to compete with. So exit velocities, um, guys that stayed true to their profile. Like we, we've spent a lot of time helping guys understand who they are relative to RepSoto data. And so this is what it says. This is your average exit velocity. This is your average distance. This is your, probably your most optimal launch angles. And, and so you need to live within the space and see how it goes. And I watched several of our guys adapt and adopt into these profiles and just, and crush the fall because they started to figure out who they were, not who they wanted to be. Everybody wants to hit balls you know, out on Collins Hill Road. Everyone wants to do that, but not everybody can and not everybody should. Everybody should focus on how they can maximize who they are. So you talked about a minute ago, you know, what's a, uh, an expectation or program? We're doing anything and everything we can to help the best version of ourselves show up to the ballpark each day. So I talked about that consistency. It's the same way inside of our player development system, same way inside of our competitive spirit and practice. We feel like if you recruit the right people that are competitive, that person should get the opportunity to show up each and every day. Um, and so we ran with that. And again, I think it, it, it really, it guides our fall, man. It keeps everything fresh. It keeps, you know, something new to compete at that day. There's a, there's always this, this point total that's coming and our guys know, and they keep track of it. And, anyway, it's really cool. Um, so yeah, that, that, that ended up being a really good, uh, fall for us for sure. Oh, that's great. And
0: I know that, that this next question should be an alley for you, but let's talk about the classroom stuff. I know it's something that, yeah. that you're really passionate about. And so, uh, and by the way, with the, with the coaches series, uh, I did want to highlight that before oh, yeah. we move yeah. on. Uh, if, if they want to find some, of the, some of the different things that you guys are doing, what's the hashtag and then why did you guys start that stuff?
1: Yeah, so um, the short version is that we, <laughs> uh, since I took this job, I looked at our opportunity based on social media and, and also kind of our, our situation here. We could do some things a little more creatively. So I, I felt like year one, as you saw, man, we, we we certainly tweeted a lot more. We shared a lot more. We did the pregame coaches interviews and pregame player interviews, and and that was a step in, in, in forward. And I felt like this year we need to take a bigger step. And I felt like we could run our accounts like an SEC account. And I think it, starts, it certainly starts at the top. For me, I've got to recognize that, well, somebody's got to put these things together. And the most qualified and skilled and actually um, excited person to do it was Coach Norton, who's our outfield coach. And I have to know that, man, he can't always be at practice if he's up there editing and creating videos. So I have to ha- give in order to gain. And so literally him and I sat down and I said, look, I know this is something you're really good at, it's something you want to do. So we're going to embrace this. and I'm going to let you run with this and just know that I'm not judging you that you're not at practice. I know what you're doing. You're helping our program by going upstairs and working through you know, these videos. And so we just decided, man, what actually started as, hey, we're going to literally uh, go, just go live from practice. And we did that uh, one time with Mental Game. It was more of, he's like, well, hey, I have a drone and I've got you know really good cameras and I can edit. Let's put together really cool, literally coaching content. Like, let's share. Let's be at the forefront of sharing. And I feel like our program, uh, probably above all uh, shares, you you literally can come inside our program and see a drill that we're doing. This is something we do. We really like, and we encourage you to go try it. And we, we developed these GGC Coaches Corner videos. What that's birthed into, JG, and you—I know, don't even know if you know about this. What that's birthed into is, I got asked to speak at the the Texas High School Coaches Convention, and and I started working on this presentation, and I'm like, Kyle, I'm gonna need some video for this this base running talk, and and we kept talking about it, and we, you know, went to go shoot it, and like the day before, and I'm like, man, this is gonna be really good, huh? He goes, oh, you're talking about this is gonna be, and it ended up being a 47 minute video, and I'm like, dude, I don't think we're just giving this away. Like I can't unjustify to myself that I'm all this work you're going to put in on this. I'm just going to give it away, so it just got us going on another direction. So what we're hopefully launching this week is uh, Grizzgang.com and getting our Grizzgang brand, which is our program brand, getting that out as a landing page for all of our coaches' corner videos. We're going to do some some insider behind the curtain stuff that we're going to share on Grizzgang. Opportunity to sell this DVD, uh, basically on demand video of this base running and continue to build upon that series in terms of what else do we do offensively what do we do on the defensive side of things program building mental training all those things that that we feel like we do a really good job of here but we also can share with other coaches and programs to make them better so we're really excited about where that can go um and hopefully we have some more information on that and uh we'll get that out but yeah those those videos are out there under hashtag Grizz gang ggc g-r-i-z G-A-N-G-G-G-C hashtag. So yeah, you can go search those anytime. No, I love that. I love that. So uh, go ahead and, and take us through. I know
0: this is this is something that has been talked about a lot over the last couple of years, and that's the the classroom setting. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if it was Tim Corbin who really popularized it, but I know that once he says something, then everybody's like, okay, how do we do that? <laughs> so sure. Let, sure. let's go ahead. And, and I know that he starts, I think maybe you would probably know this more than I would, but I think he starts every practice off with some sort of session that's like that in a classroom and they go over different points. But they're Vanderbilt, and most everyone else isn't. So, how have you been able to take his idea and, and what they do, and then be able to do it and with with your program?
1: Yeah. So, whatever that's been now—two years ago, three years ago—I think three years ago—we uh, shot ABC of the Road Show at Vanderbilt, and I knew about the classroom. I, I certainly hadn't seen it, hadn't been behind that curtain. Uh, I really had needle down on on Corbs to kind of get the details behind it. And so when we shot that and we set the cameras up, him and I actually recorded a podcast from inside the classroom and then recorded, um, you know, obviously the the roadshow segments around it. I I really got to dig deep on what actually are you doing in here and why do you think it's important? And it was man, he convinced me and and I, it, it sounds good in theory. That's the really cool. Like you mentioned Vanderbilt does it. So we should do it. Well, it sounds good in theory until it comes time to get practical. And now you've got to show up and be ready and have something to present to your team. And you've got to have a structure and an idea of where it's going. I I balance this a lot with our classroom, man. I I want to have it, you know, scripted in a lot of regards. I want to know where it's going, but I have to have feel for the team because there's something that was talked about at yesterday's training or an article that came out that morning or, you know, a, a point that the team has to hear and you got to have flexibility to keep it relative. Because, you know, your, your guys know if you're talking about this point and it was actually you probably should have brought that up two weeks ago, coach, they know. And so I always try to balance the, the, the structure versus the flexibility. But I knew that when I got here, to your point, I knew that was something that I wanted to really work to make happen. And what's really, real, very fortunate, we've got an athletics building that literally is right behind our third base dugout and uh, go right up the stairs, down the hallway, right past my office. We have a classroom, like a full classroom, 42 chairs in the middle, 10 against the wall, uh, the whole computer system with this big screen up top that you can uh, hook your computer up to and and teach from. And I just, I remember walking through on the interview and they show me this classroom and I walk in and I go, okay, this is it. This is where we're going to have classroom. And so I remember getting the job and I told my AD and, and we had to work through the particulars of how we would do this because you're talking about 40 guys are going to be walking through the athletic hallways every day at well 15. And uh, we've got to manage volume. You've got to manage, obviously language. You've got to manage, um, you know, foot traffic. So our guys are coming up from practice. They've got, you know, dirt on their shoes. So we've got to manage all these things, but I knew this was something I would walk through the, you know, hellfire to make this happen because I felt like it could be that important. Every day since I've arrived on campus, every single day we've met in classroom. And it's become one of those things like mental training. I'm going to show you that it's important. It's not just when we have something to say. This is how we do it. And it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. So we have right now, we had, I'm sorry, we finished the fall at 1.30 to 2 o'clock. For the last year and a half, it's been 1.30 to 2 o'clock. That's where classroom is set. And then we go into mental training after that. I'm actually going to transition that a little bit because I'm living and learning here. But sometimes, you know, I get going on a message. That's great. If I don't have a whole lot to present that day, that's a 25-minute block. If I crush it at five minutes, that's a 25-minute block I've got now account for within our training plan. So we're actually going to make that 130 to 145. We're going to start mental training at 145. And so I only need that 15 minutes just as a way to have a touch point with our team at all times. I can catch them up to speed on what's going on. Um, I can get the whole, the entire day's training plan. Here's how it's going to go. Here's where it's going to be. Here are the things I want you to be prepared for. And then if I have a message that day, Hey, I want you to think about this point. Um, I know I mentioned this earlier, I'm not the head coach. I'm the chief inspiration officer. Uh, so I've officially changed my title within our team. Um, but I, I want to make sure I'm giving them something to push them, to inspire them, to direct them where we know they need to go. And we do that every single day. Well, COVID protocols didn't allow us inside our classroom, too many people inside of a small space. We had to move our classroom this year down the dugout, which was really neat because I used, and I still have this as a PowerPoint slide. Hey, if you don't have a huge, you know, athletics building over your third base dugout with a classroom, you always have your dugout. Anybody can do it in their dugout. And I'm going, I'm glad I listened to that advice because now I can do it in my dugout. And I had to, and every day we had guys wall to wall wearing masks and, and we stayed there for a short amount of time. So that we could get our, our classroom session in, um, but it's to me it's one of the most important things we do. It, it is the touch point. It's the get on the same page. It's the everyone needs to hear this message. You know, Corbs goes down a lot of rabbit holes. Man, he is he gets into and and I, I revere this about him. He gets into hygiene. He gets into um, and where we want to go uh, in the future is is how to handle an interview. Learning how to shake hands, learn how to look people in the eye, having your guys present. I have our guys stand up in front of the dugout, in front of classroom, and they present, um, and and I make them literally work on public speaking at a place they didn't think they were going to work on public speaking. Um, but it's also, man, you you get to the crux of what you're trying to do. You're trying to build better individuals, so you can build a better team. So we have so many exercises that we think get to that. We do a hero highlight hardship exercise where a player stands up in front of the team and shares the hero in his life, the hardship he's been through, the highlight that he goes back to. And, um, I'll say this, man, we call our classroom, the trust tree. So anything that shared doesn't leave the boundaries of that group. It's not something we go tell our parents, not something our girlfriend needs to know what happens in that room stays in that room, but it helps form that room. And so, you know, 40 guys, a hero, highlight hardship, uh, another nine coaches, uh, everybody cried. That, that's part of the thing. You get up there and you share. You get vulnerable with everyone, and there's a lot of tears, man. A lot of tears get shed. Um, but we feel like that's part of the environment we're trying to create is that vulnerability and um, that accessibility to each other on a, on a deeper level, that meaningful relationship side of things. So we feel like that's birthed out of classroom, man. Again, something that I will do every single day for the rest of my coaching career because there's such extreme value that comes from it. Oh, that's really good. And I know which stance that you're on and,
0: and which, uh, which the, the reply to that is we could spend that 30 minutes doing baseball activities. And, you know, I, I was on that, you know, how many reps can we get and, and how much can we maximize time? And, mm-hmm. and just going back is like, how much time do you have to spend reteaching the things that you could have taught in a 30 yeah. minute classroom yeah. or less, you know?
1: Well, and I, it would also go back to this, man, you, I get that piece. I do. I get that quite a bit, man. It's time that you understand that. But if, where do you land in this? If I build a better person, can I build a better baseball player? Um, that's, that's where I'm going back to. At the end of the day, we are person student player in that order all the time. And I'm not going to go because he misses a ground ball, go chew down his throat because now I'm looking at that player who missed a ground ball I have to recognize that every individual on our team is a person. I have to fall in love with the person before I can ever start to go coach the player. And so what I go back to is, to me, that point, J.G., is short-sighted. Is is Well, if I hit more ground balls, if I do this, that's great, man. You can do it, and that's going to help them from a baseball perspective. But go back to, I know we're going to head down this road in a little bit, go back to a mentally prepared player, go back to an emotionally mature player, go back to a person that's literally got, Emotional intelligence, weaved within the way they see the world. Someone that has we've helped them rewire the way that they view not only their opportunity here at GGC, but maybe their past. Because too often, man, that player that you're trying to hit more ground balls to, he can't move past an emotional hurdle because he's wired in a way to think that the world's out to get him, and that his JUCO coach screwed him, and then his high school coach screwed him, and you're the next guy in line to do that. I think in classroom, I can cut through those things and I can help rewire the way they see the world and know that, hey, man, not everybody's out to get you. There are some people that have your best interest at heart. Look at the people that you think have harmed you. Did you have a relationship with them? No. So it's too easy to throw fault at them because there's no emotional connection as opposed to getting connected with your coaching staff, getting connected with the guy next to you, helping understand that, man, we are looking out for you. We love you. We absolutely love you. We adore you. We hold you up in high esteem. Now you're building a better person that will, in essence, build a better baseball player. Now, if you can't get down with that camp, then we probably shouldn't hang out. But where I go back to is, man, that's, to me, the crux of what we're trying to get done is at the end of the day, you can judge against wins, losses, trophies, rings, the whole thing. And you can do that to your blue in the face and just know that'll be someone else's standards. It won't be ours. We're trying to build better people. And no, I love that, and and that's a definitely a. a,
0: a we'll cut that and turn it into a uh, turn it into an audiogram. I love that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know where you stand. I know we've had a thousand different conversations, and so I, I just wanted you know because I I was again I was the other side of that probably yeah. I don't know five or six years ago and. And then I, you, you start to boil these things down. And like you talked about with your, you know, your 39 page paper, which provides clarity, Mm -hmm. well, it comes back to, okay, I want to, I want to be able to coach our players. Okay, cool. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. Well, at first I have to gain trust. Okay. How do I do that? How do we make behavior changes? All of it comes down to, uh, and I know this is getting deep of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is safety. They have to feel safe. They have to feel fearless. They have to feel like it's okay to fail uh, and get better. And, that it's okay in your eyes. And so at the base level, we have to get onto that love and belonging piece and that safety piece before we, we literally make any changes. Yep. And to think that we can make changes without going into that, it's just very short-sighted because your brain is just going to block it out. Like yep. it, it doesn't matter. We, we can't change behavior if someone doesn't want to. And if someone doesn't want to, then we have to figure out why that is, which again, comes back to trust and love and and the yeah. things that you talked about earlier as well, but then you hold them to that standard that, that you that you mentioned with you, which would for me, which would be your truth piece. Yeah. But let's, let's go ahead and, and let's let's go in on the mental game. And I think when when people talk about that, they think that it's uh, you have to block out, OK, hey, this is the mental game today. This is the 15 minutes that we're going to spend talking about the mental game. Yeah. And then they go to practice and they don't talk about it at all. But we talk about the game being well, like ninety percent mental and the rest is is physical or, or whatever. But I, I think that there are a lot of different opportunities. And sorry, I'm getting long-winded here, but I'm I'm going to hand it off to you in a second. <laughs> but I think that that we we lose sight of the fact that no, we can actually teach the middle game within the game because the game is our best teacher. And so, yeah. take us a little bit about you know, one there is a great time to use for your your you know your fifteen to twenty minute block or. I think you said 15 minute block, mm-hmm. uh, before practice to be able to teach some of those skills, but then we'll see how they're applied during practice. And we can continue to teach the mental game and competition and strategy and all of those different things, which I would put into the mental game bucket as well, but sure. take us through like step one of, of what you start with, how you do it. Okay. And then even, uh, at the end, I want to know, okay, if you're stressed for time, Is there a way that we could do it a little bit shorter or longer or just kind of take us through that a little bit? Yeah. So
1: I think this is another, again, uh, I look at it more of like a pivot point. So, again, go back to hit more ground balls or invest in the person. Well, I pivoted in my career. Doesn't mean anyone else has to. I've just pivoted. I'm going to I'm going to head down this way and, and 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 rock and roll. It's the same way with mental game. So, again, it was a pivot point for me. Noticing that as we were talking before we hit record, you know, I I I know the inner workings of programs like Oregon State and like Michigan and like Vanderbilt, and I also know the inner workings of others. And I watch them play and compete, and I notice that the dudes in the box, the dudes on the mound, there is a different vibe. There's a different feel. There's a different energy up there on the rail. There's just something unique happening. And knowing almost too much to be dangerous. I'm starting to connect all these dots. This is all right before I, I go interview for this job. And in my head, I'm going, man, I, you know, I dabbled in this before and I've known Alan Jager you know, ever since I got into coaching. So he has been a close friend and he pushed me, you know, whenever it was now, it's been four or seven, seven, eight, nine years ago. Like, Hey, you should try some of this meditation with your guys. See if they like it. Some of this visualization, see if they like it. You know, I, my first convention, I got to watch Dr. Ken Revisa speak and he talked about visualization. He talked about, you know, literally relaxation and heads up baseball and heads up baseball 2.0 and all those things. And I remember watching these teams going, well, man, if I get back to the coaching, like, I mean, I've got to make this a priority. These teams are making it a priority. And this is the stuff that, that, that maybe people don't know, but literally Vanderbilt wins the national championship, Whatever that's been a year ago, they meditated from day one of the fall through the last day of the world series every single day. Okay, so yeah, as you mentioned, everyone wants to do what Vanderbilt does. I understand that. Well, guess what? If it's working for the best of the best, and we're all saying, dude, those are mentally tough dudes. Those guys were prepared. Those guys were ready for their moment. Those guys literally embraced the adversity. They, they, they literally walked in the box with confidence. Like, don't you want that for your guys? Because it's hard to ignore our game in that the 15 seconds between each pitch, that's where the mental game lives. Well, that 15 seconds is happening all the time. And I know you probably know this. If you put the action of a major league baseball game on display, the action is probably between 20 and 30 minutes of real action. And then you've still got another two and a half, three hours to account for. Well, something's happening that 15 seconds between each pitch. There's a conversation happening between their ears. Like when that umpire raises his right arm, whether that batter agrees or disagrees with that call, there's a conversation happening. When he looks over at you to get his sign, he is telling himself something. There is a narrative playing. And so we've got to help our guys navigate that. And that, that to me, I, I can't look them in the eye and say, we've done everything we can to get you prepared for this moment. If we haven't given you an opportunity to get mentally sharp, that's where I just, I firmly land on that. And again, right, wrong, or indifferent, uh, butch Chaffin here, you be you, but I'm going to be me. And I believe that that is going to be the separator. When our guy is mentally prepared for that moment and yours isn't talent aside, that's going to help us move forward. So again, I, t- I talked with Alan as before I get the job, he goes, he literally point blank. He, how are you going to attack mental game? And I said, Alan, I'm back and forth on this man. I want to do this every day. He goes, okay, then do it. And I go, I know, but I mean, I, am I going to be equipped to do that? Am I going to be prepared to do that? Or Are our guys going to buy in enough to do that? He goes, they're going to be as bought in as you are. So if you show them that, hey, this is part of what we do, this is actually me investing into you and helping you invest into your development and your career and your performance, they're going to buy into it. And uh, I, I was laughing because I told the story a couple months ago with our guys. I said, you guys remember the first time I laid you down in left field? They're like, coach, we didn't know what was going on. we No <laughs> one has ever talked to us about this. like We had no clue. And, uh, you know, I talked about how, you know, I'm going to try to take you under the grass. My goal is to help you literally melt into the grass and you go to a place where you don't even remember that the sun's out and you can't hear that, that fly buzzing around. Um, but it's about getting to literally a quiet place where you have to navigate your own thoughts. And I laughed because when everybody sat up, like the look on their face after the first time doing it, like What? in the world just happened to me. I love that. And then you build upon that because the first time, you know, there's, there's wonder, there's doubt, there's heartbeat, there's all these things you got to account for. What we talk about with our group, man, we're, we're literally equipping people with black belts. So when you start, you're definitely at a white belt. I mean, you and, and it was awesome because we had so many new players. We had 20 new players in our program and 20 guys that have been recruited on meditation, but they had never meditated. And so getting them <laughs> to become more mindful there were so many questions coach I'm just I'm not very good at this I'm not very good at visualization I'm having a hard time you know not go walking with my thoughts and and staying in the present moment and, yeah okay I got it man yeah you're 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 just cutting your teeth on your white belt trust me there's a point where it starts to become easier and by the end of the fall I got guys that literally come in with Uh, And again, not to to give away too much, but you got guys that deal with depression. You got guys that, that a few guys that deal with anxiety. Um, there was a great tweet that went around this past weekend about, you know, the suicide rates and people sharing that, like, Hey, if you, if you're thinking about suicide, call me or call this number, um, because mental health is a real issue. And so coach, you're looking out for, for all your people in your program. Are you looking out for all your players? I'm going to look out for all of our people and I'm going to do something on a daily basis. And that doesn't make me righteous by any means, but I'm going to do something on a daily basis that gives them what probably will be the only 10 to 15 minute period where they just stop, where they just slow down, where they have a chance to literally just distance themselves from stress, from school, from girlfriend, from financial troubles, from whatever to just enjoy the next two and a half hours here at the ballpark. And I'm going to give them that gift. I literally tell them, I'm I'm going to give you this gift of quiet. And, And with that, not to go down a couple of rabbit holes with that becomes as me as the moderator, that's a whole lot of trust they're putting in me because I'm the one that's protecting them from a car driving up, from someone walking up and speaking real loud and scaring them from something happening around them where, by the way, their eyes are closed and their senses are gone. I'm the one that they're trusting. Is going to protect them and take care of them. It's a much deeper conversation than just getting mentally right. Like this is, you talk about the trust and love. This is me showing that I love you. I will invest in you. And it's them saying, coach, we trust you that you're going to protect us. And so we do it every single day. And like I said, 10 to 15 minutes, that's all you have to go into. You don't have to have a sports psych degree. You don't have to be, you know, just completely, you know, versed. You're not going to be good at this the first time you do it. Get over it. <laughs> You're, it's just like anything you did in life. You weren't very good the first time. You got better the second time, and then over the course of time, you get better. I'm however long I am into this. You know, we did a 168 sessions last year. I think by end of uh, end of the year this year, based on you know from hopefully all the way through the season now, uh, we'll be well over 200 meditations. And I hope to continue to get better at this because now I'm starting to have feel for our players and their breathing, and so I can. I'm literally. This is so funny, JG. And this is this is again. It's how in tune I try to get with our guys. Is I I scour the room and I've noticed how their stomach is rising and falling. I notice their body movements. I notice that at the end when I say, "Hey, okay, we're gonna go ahead and start to bring it back," I watch who moves immediately. Those are dudes that are just hinging on every command. They're they're literally right there on the surface. And I notice the guys that it takes a little bit, and their breathing is consistent. And I know guys that are fidgeting and guys that never get comfortable. You start to notice who is really like deep within this. And so when they stand up, I go, hey, what kind of day did you have today, coach, man? I was in there today. Oh, man, I was I was deep into it. I went to visualization. I was working on it. I was, yeah, I could tell, man. I could tell because you were consistent. I said, you had a moment there where you stopped and you took a really big breath. And then you got back into that flow again. What happened there? He goes, I started to find myself literally, you know, missing, uh, swings and misses and swinging at stuff that was out of the zone. I was starting to get into fear and doubt a little bit. And I realized I had to come back to my breath. So I took a big, deep breath and then got back to boom, boom, boom. That's what I'm, that to me is the crux of helping them navigate. So to your point, sorry to to go on so long, but to your point is in that's not the 10 to 15 minutes that's where it stops. It's literally within taking ground balls. It's literally helping them realize they can boot a ground ball They've got to just go, oh man, and move on. You can't spend time in oh man. You can't hang out for, hey, I'm going to make this one because I booted that one. It Doesn't work. It's not the way the game's played. It's NBP and them stepping out of the box and literally slowing things down and going, I can move on from this. In fact, I'm prepared for this. And so it's all those conversations that we go back to, man. I think it's all the same thing, but it, it, it all shows up in games. Stepping off the mound, taking a breath. After you walk a guy, I'm not throwing this fifth pitch thinking about the previous four balls. I'm going to lock into this pitch. This pitch matters. This moment matters. I can control this. It's helping our guys realize they have that that power. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And you think about the game, I think there's what, like 10 minutes of actual action that happens. And do, yeah,
1: some version of that. Yeah. And
0: there's three hours that doesn't. And so what are they doing in the space between their, you know, stimulus and response to what's going on within the pitch? But it's interesting. And so within the mental game bucket, okay, we've talked about meditation and uh, hopefully there's a lot of coaches that are out there, you know, that are like, okay, I'm going to try this. You know, we, COVID especially has brought to light a lot of different mental issues that people are having and people who are successful and people who we would have never thought are dealing with some of those things. And so I, obviously, if you're trying to build a better baseball player, build a better person, uh, or yeah, or both at the same time, hopefully. But anyway, so let's, let's talk a little bit about how other ways we can teach quote unquote mental game. And so one of the things that, that you mentioned was your routine. So making sure that they're doing that in practice. What else would you bucket into the quote unquote mental game and then how are you guys teaching that in the midst of practice?
1: Okay. So <clears throat> to your point, routines are incredibly huge. That just gives you a chance to come back to something that we call our process. And then you have your overall process, like the process of your team, the process of your development, the process of your journey. We really don't pay attention to the right side of the scoreboard. We we talk about inning by inning, pitch by pitch and and all those things. But it to me, I say that and every coach goes, yeah, we do too process for us is a mentality process is an identity process becomes a lifestyle. So it's no different. I I love hearing our guys say this is, you know, they realize, Hey, I didn't do very good on a test, but coach man, it's just part of the process of this class, man. And helping them understand that it doesn't define you. It's only where you're at at this moment, but you can pivot and you can move forward. So I think that's a piece of it. Now it becomes part of the way they speak, the way they think. I think that's incredibly important. So what that, in my opinion, leaves back to is, part of our classroom sessions, we teach the fact of, of, you know, emotional intelligence is real. So when something happens to you and it hits your spine, it passes through a literally a motion before it ever gets to rational thought. And so you've got to help your guys realize that things are going to happen in our game. Umpires right arm again, two different opinions on whether that was the right call, or the wrong call, um, pass ball behind the plate, a spiked fastball on the mound. Error in the field. Things are going to happen to you and they have to pass through emotion before they ever get to rational thought. Well, we see what happens when you boot a ground ball and you play for the Bad News Bears. Tanner takes his glove off because it's in emotion and he slams his glove on the ground. He never gets to rational thought. So for our guys, it's recognition that thoughts will become actions. You cannot walk away from this. When you're right between the ears, Your actions are aligned. And so two very specific things. If you go back to thoughts, well, if our players, every guy on our team wants to play professional baseball, no doubt. Well, that's awesome. So there's your thought. Now, do those actions coincide with that thought? Wanting to play professional baseball is much different than acting like you want to play professional baseball. So you probably have guys, I mean, I want to play professional baseball. I hear you. How are you sleeping? How are you eating? What's the weight room look like to you? how are you training? What are you challenging yourself to do and get better at? What is your overall development plan? What are you really working on today? You just took a hundred cage swings. You're grinding, right? What'd you work on? What'd you get better at? How's that translate to the game? Where's the adjustability in your swing? How are you preparing for different varieties of pitchers? That's where it comes back to. I want to play professional baseball, do the actions match up. And so helping our guys learn how to literally navigate their thoughts, and how to direct them and how to, in essence, be your own best friend and not let your thoughts be, well, I'm my own worst critic coach. Nobody's going to be harder on me than me. Well, then stop. (laughs) Let someone else be hard on you. How about you be your own best friend? How about you help yourself climb out of a hole? How about you help yourself find an adjustment? How about you get to solution before you stay in problem? And so it's helping our guys realize that that is a real transition that all of us have to navigate if we want our actions to start aligning themselves with our thoughts. So you talked about what's that look like in training? Well, it looks like body language because your pitcher, so you talk about mental game when your pitcher walks a guy and he immediately goes to slump shoulders, kick dirt, snatch the baseball, walk around the mound. You better have a coach head out to that mound and have a conversation. Hey, right now, you are literally kicking yourself. You're mad at the umpire. You're mad at something. And there's nothing telling me that you're going to throw this next pitch not thinking about the walk. It's the same way in the box, man. We had guys. We had a guy last year who struck out and tossed his bat. Guess what, JG? That's happened once in our program. It was that moment because they, our team understood mm-hmm. that's not what we do here. And that is just body language screaming, immaturity, um, look at me, And I'm not about the team. So that won't, that won't live here. So I'm going to attack that. And I did, and it's never happened since. So our guys start to see that, man, body language, your presence, who you are, those things are mental game on display. So I can walk into a training. I can walk into classroom and I've been very, again, very vulnerable with our guys. I can walk into classroom and say, so I'll let you guys know something, man. Like I'm working through some stuff. I got some stuff going on at home. Uh, daughter having some issues at daycare. I've got this I'm dealing with. I just got out of a meeting. Our budgets are going to get cut here a little bit. I got a few things that I'm thinking about. And what I'm going to tell all of you is that's exactly where my mind's at right now. I'm talking to you, sorting through these things. But what I've got to do is recognize that if I let those continue to be my thoughts, then I'm going to be a very emotionally, spiritually distant coach here at practice today. That's not fair to me. That's not fair to you. So what I've got to do is learn how to navigate those thoughts, compartmentalize them. So in our part of our mental training, as we start to relax is we build a suitcase. Our players can put any stress, any distracting thoughts inside that suitcase, close it, lock it and watch it disappear. That is learning how to compartmentalize things. It'll always be there. That stress is going to show up at five 30 when we're done with practice, but it doesn't have to affect me right now at two 30. And so helping them realize that I can work through that just like they can so that my actions show up. My presence is here. My thoughts are here. My focus is here. Not on the conversation I had two hours ago, not on the stress that was there before that will be there after it doesn't have to affect me right now. That to me has been the crux of what we're trying to get guys to become. That's why we changed it from mental game training to mindfulness training. I want them to be incredibly mindful, very present but also confident that they can navigate between their ears and bring themselves back to the current moment. That to me is where it all, that's where the rubber hits the road, my man. You've got to come back to the present moment. You cannot take your fourth at bat thinking about a failure in your previous three. You just can't, that's not going to give you the best opportunity to put your best foot forward. The best version of me is present right in this moment. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I love that. And,
0: and man, I, I don't think that there <laughs> I don't think there's a better way to end the show than that. But I do have a couple of uh, of questions for you. Sure. And, and thank you for for outlining just, uh, you know, I think that when people think of the mental game, they they think that it has to be so elaborate to get buy in. But I think it's it's like, you know, you're, you're just pounding the rock every day. I mm-hmm. think that's one of those things that it's just like over time, it doesn't have to be sexy. You know, yeah. it just, you have to do it consistently. You have to show up every day, which is kind of uh, a good analogy for baseball too. Yeah. But I do have a, a couple of quick hitters for you Sure. Uh, before we end the show. And, and again, thank you for coming on and just sh- giving us a look inside of what you guys are doing every day. Yeah. But one thing that, that I want to know, and I think that this is so, that th- this is so just, uh, it's so relevant to what we're doing now, which is going through COVID. And it's something that we've never gone through a pandemic before. And hopefully we'll never have to again. But what are some different things that you have changed forever or maybe just one? What is one thing you've changed forever as far as coaching goes because of COVID?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Not taking for granted um, eye contact and facial expressions. (laughs) Like it is incredibly tough to look at a group of 40 people and not see a smile or a wink or like a, a facial move. Um, how incredibly important it is to, as a communicator, to gauge the room and feel the room and be in tune with the room. Um, it forced me into some very uncomfortable and a lot of doubt, especially early in classroom when I was getting used to the masks. It, a lot of doubt. I'd be talking. Am I, am I making sense? Is this hitting home? Because I needed that validation because I couldn't tell. And so I think from a communication aspect, man, never take for granted that face to face conversation and 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 really as I've talked about a lot in the past and you and I've talked about is just being incredibly present. Like the only people that exist are the people you're talking to and creating that dynamic. So not only do you get their presence and their focus, but they know that you're giving them yours and and I'll never take that for granted. No, I love that. That's a great,
0: great answer. Next question is what is a, like one drill that your players love that we can steal from you?
1: Hmm one drill well you know we did a couple on the coaches corners that we really like uh we got a modified cuts and relays drill i think's um come to find out it, not a lot of programs have seen that so it's something that that we came up with that we really liked um a few variants of bps that we really like i would say one drill that that we really i i think makes a ton of sense we do a defensive drill series also one of our um uh coaches corner videos and I, I just, I was shocked at the response I got from it, man. I, I bet I sent that drill series to over a thousand people and it was so, a lot of emails and a little frustrating at times because I'm the one sending the emails, but like, I don't think a lot of people have, I didn't know that until I got into coaching an older coach said, Hey, you ought to think about, we're trying to run something like this. When I looked at the sheet, JG, it scared the snot out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean? Look at all this, how am I going to, how am I going to teach all this? He's like, trust me, the more you do it, your players start to understand it. It can be as quick as you want it to be. And we've got it down to now like literally like two, two and a half minutes. We're in and out in 20 minutes. And our guys walk away and go, holy smokes, 20 minutes just flew by because we were working on all these defensive things. And I think we try to sprinkle that in. And it's something if you're interested, you can email me and I'll send it to you and hopefully bring it into your program. I love that.
0: And then finally, uh, the resource question, what's one book? that if you could gift to every listener that is listening right now, what would it be? And Christmas is right around the corner. So you know what can I look forward to getting from you? (laughs)
1: Uh, I would probably, uh, probably uh, two that would come to mind. One would be um, the baseball playbook and uh, Ron Polk and and all his genius put this together. And some of it, you know, has can be argued. Some of it can be shifted and adjusted and all those things. But I just, don't be scared to go back to man, the the wisdom that is within our game. So like maybe a bigger point I'm trying to soapbox is just that people have wrinkles for a reason because they're older, but those wrinkles represent wisdom. And so the more you spend time with, with older coaches, guys who have been through the fight, you know, young hot shots and young coach, like, you know, that's all been part of the lexicon last couple of days. Like I get it. And youthful energy is awesome. And I feel like I got some youthful energy, but man, I'm also very cognizant that I probably am not the creator of this idea. So, like CJ Gilman, I were talking last week, somebody 10, 15, 20 years ago, put ropes in their cages and just didn't have social media. Nobody knew about it. Like those ideas have been around, but I think it's just recognition that sometimes you got to go back to the older stuff to know that, that, uh, Hey man, this is something that we've forgotten. This is something we could be better at mm-hmm. something we need to work on. Um, and go back to that. The other one is help the helper. And This has been something that's come up last week. We did a how about that write-in video on Mudita, which is vicarious joy and another success. And I think that becomes a huge piece of the puzzle when you're talking about building better individuals and better teams. Start to get them to buy into being selfless and recognition that others' success can be their own if they choose to see it that way. I think that literally Mudita and vicarious joy and another success is an arm off the tree of servant leadership. So you start to help people see the world a little bit differently and see outwardly except for inwardly. And then there's an opportunity to become a servant leader in that I'm going to gain where I'm trying to go by serving others. I think it's all the same conversation. So I think it's a, it's a huge piece, but help the helper lays that out and explains that it's such a a great book is recommended to me by Pat Murphy at Alabama. And, uh, it's one that, uh, certainly has changed the way I view building teams and, uh, and getting everyone on the same page for the right things. So I'd recommend those two books.
0: Oh, well, I love that, and I'm gonna have to pick that one up. Uh, it's actually I try and read a bunch, but I haven't read that one. So uh, Pat coming up with a book that I haven't read that's really good is not a surprise in my mind either, because he's he's awesome with that stuff. But I, I will link your social media and your email down below. And I'm just gonna open up the mic for you. Uh, again, thank you, Sheets, for coming on and being a constant go-to for just, uh, coaching growth. And I know that that's a huge, a huge point for you. You want to help coaches, uh, in the world, but you're also, you're not, you're not, not helping yourself too. So while you're learning and while you're on your learning journey, you're taking us all along with you. And so I think, uh, I speak for thousands of coaches when I say thank you for that, but is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go?
1: No, and please reach out. Uh, that's certainly why we do what we do is to be connected and and to connect with others. Uh, so many things come from this. You know, coach, what are your thoughts on this? Hey, coach, do you know a good pitching guy? You connect me with. Hey, it doesn't matter. Like I think the the whole what I learned in my time at ABCA is I man, I really love connecting. Period. I love that 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 place of um, helping and talk about help the helper. Like I really enjoy um, having someone have an issue and I can find a way to help them navigate it or coach, I'm struggling with this part of my practice plan. What do you think? Or whatever those things are. Um, but also we love to share, man. I I think it, you can't go to the grave with all these great ideas and don't, again, like I mentioned earlier, don't think that you have some idea that's going to rock everybody's socks. Well, someone's probably thought of that before. So maybe you're doing it relative to your program. So just share it and just get it out there. And, you know, I've I put out, you know, we did a Grizzly BP, which I put in the video. We took from Reaver BP and Tiger BP at Clemson. And then so many other coaches were like, yeah, we've done that for years. Well, that's great, dude. It's awesome. That's what it's about for me is recognition. We didn't create any of this stuff. It's just helping other people that that maybe haven't seen it before um, dive into something and bring it to their training plan. So, again, as we create grizzgang.com, as, as we continue to share on our social media platforms, our PD department continues to just think differently to promote our guys, but also show what we're doing in our program, man, we are an open book. Like literally you could show up to Lawrenceville. We'll roll out the red carpet for you. We'd love to share and show off what we got, but um, I think it's more about being a guardian of the game and making sure that we're doing what we can to promote and grow the game. And and certainly I think the, you can't be out there in that spirit if you're not challenging and thinking differently yourself. So I appreciate the opportunity, my man, obviously respect you, to the ends of the world and, and, uh, and love and appreciate our friendship and, I uh, appreciate and, and grateful for the opportunity to get on here and share. My man.
0: Thank you for listening to ahead of the curve. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, which can include Apple podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or YouTube. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it on social media to help get the word out. Once again, thank you for joining us.